supernatural situational awareness that we know what's actually happening around us. Supernatural solutions, supernatural peace. Who here needs a bit of peace? I pray that over you right now. And supernatural strength to overcome things quickly. I pray that the Lord would have us graduate from Christianity to sonship. That's how the church church friendly friendly are and are are they they preaching the word of God. That's it. But as I 54, 2 says, enlarge the place of your tent. This is why why some of us are going through struggles over the last few weeks. Enlarge the place of your tent and let out the curtains of your habitation. Be stretched out, spare not, lengthen the cords and strengthen your space. You know, strengthen the stakes because there's a storm coming, right? Get ready for it. Come on, Gary. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities be inhabited. Fear not. Fear not. You shall not be ashamed, neither be confounded or depressed, for you shall not be put to shame. Amen for that. You shall forget the shame of your youth. Amen for that as well, if you've got a background like me. And you shall not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. But then it goes across into verse 17. Let me tell you, this is for you, Glory. Glory got hit by a bus yesterday on the motorway. She cried out to Jesus. She cried out to Jesus. Help me. And as the car's spinning, it parked next to the, the barrier. Praise God. This is the God we serve. When we call on Him, He comes and helps us. This is for you, Glorine. Verse 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall show to be wrong. This peace is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the righteousness or vindication that they obtain from me, says the Lord. Praise God for that. You know, Bryce said to me as he walked in, he said, I had a dream last night. This church is full. And there's people saying to us that the church is dying. And he said, I don't know whether I should say this or not. You know, Two Mondays ago, we were told that this church was dead. We were told that this church was dead and that we represented someone within the church. But you know what? We represent Christ. And he will not be mocked. This building will be full. Praise our Lord. Praise our Lord. Simon, I'm believing for supernatural healing for you today. You may not be feeling 100% now, but let me tell you, God's working on you. We serve a God who wants to heal us. 
We serve a God that loves us. We serve a God that will give us everything we need as long as we're willing to be obedient. Praise God for that. Join me in the Lord's Prayer before I go any further. I'm getting a little bit excited this morning. I, I love what God's doing through our small little church. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 That's such a simple prayer that we could teach a five-year-old. And it covers everything we need. You know, I, I can't believe what God's doing this week. We, I spoke to Pastor Daniel yesterday and it's like, ministry's sort of becoming easy. Now, let me tell you, ministry's never easy, but there's easy and there's, if you've been in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. We're stepping into the river. We, we, I had a word for Daniel yesterday. Someone else rang me from another state and said, you've got this couple in your church. And I said, Daniel and Nadine. He goes, yes, doesn't know them. That's them. He said, you know, they're, they're stepping into the river. This is for all of us. We're like ankle deep. And the river's raging. And we're about to step into the flow. And he's saying, the Lord is saying to us, go with it. Don't try and swim against it. Don't try and get back to shore. Kick back like you're on a lilo and just float along. Yeah, there's going to be some rapids. Just hang on a bit tighter when you get there. But we're stepping into the river. God's doing stuff within this church family. That little five-year-old girl in Siaya County in Kenya, that Pastor Francis is adopting over there, he, he sent us a message late last night. He says, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Amanda, can I... He's adopting this little girl today. Her grandmother died two weeks ago. Her mum died when she was one year old. And um, he says, Pastor Amanda, can, can I name this little girl when I adopt her, Jane Amanda? We've got Amanda Jane. They've got Jane Amanda. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? And what, what do you say to that? Other than praise God. That's the impact this church is having in other countries. So there's another Amanda getting around. Amen. <laughs> Amen. During February, as you know, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John. It's going to be our theme, and it's responding to the living Word. Because that's what we need to be doing, right? We need to be responding to God's Word. And today we're going to talk about the incarnate God. But I'm going to pray for our offering beforehand. I'm going to give, we don't do offering messages here for everyone that's new, but I pray for our offering every single week. So if you've got your seed there and you're ready to sow, lift it up to God as we pray. Eternal Lord, we are called to give our offerings unto you. But we give in response to what you've already given us. We do not give to pressure you to give us more. You've already given us your son, Jesus, to save us, Lord your Holy Spirit to comfort and strengthen us, Lord, your church to teach and encourage us, Lord, and your Holy Word to guide and correct us. We have been greatly blessed. 
Please accept our gifts as expressions of our gratitude to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I love our church. I, I love our church. I, I love how we get together and we, we meet each other through the week and we, we'll have a coffee and we'll, we'll just talk and pray for each other. And I love that our church meets all the needs of the church and other churches in other countries. I made a declaration through the week. Actually, we, we had dinner with Paul and Glorine through the week and Paul says, you know, we're believing that that school in Kenya is built. We're believing that it's done. And you know what? When you say something like that, you can expect the devil to step in and go, <laughs> yeah, nah, I don't like that. I'm going to try and stop it. Hence what happened to Glorine yesterday. But I took it one step further. I said yesterday to the Lord, I am believing that this church becomes a church where other churches come to for restoration, where other churches come to when they need a school built somewhere, that they come to us and we say yes and amen every time. I'm believing this church, one of our mandates is clerical restoration. We're doing that already and we will continue to but it's also to resource the church. We are called to resource the church worldwide. And I'm making a stand right now that that is going to happen by this church, through this church. We can get excited about that. We are called to be kingdom. We're called to be sons and daughters of the Most High, not just Christians. Let's get off our salvation experience and move forward. Let's pray for restoration within ministries and within families. Let's... Let's just not pray for revival. You know, if you want revival, repent. Start repenting. That's the outcome. Revival. Why don't we have reformation? Come back to having Jesus at the center of everything. Let's have reformation. Because let me tell you, there's a revolution that comes after that. We will win this city. I made a promise to God yesterday, and who knows you shouldn't really do that because he holds you to it, that this city will be one for Christ. This city will be one. I can't do it by myself. So let me encourage you if you want to help, please. But this city will be one. We are going to be known as a city where people come to meet Christ. Not where they come to go to nightclubs. Not where they come to go to strip clubs. We are going to be known as a city that is for Christ. And that's got nothing to do with what I'm preaching today. But tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so I'm not sure whether you picked the theme of the worship today but it's all about love. You know, Valentine's Day, we, we don't celebrate those sort of things, but be nice to your wives and your husbands. As someone who used to own a florist shop or four florist shops up until Valentine's Day last year, wasn't it? We sold it. You know, it's a good day. Cindy's not here today. She'll be rocking in the corner because she's got a lot of orders to fill, so she'll be in the fetal position. <laughs> so we pray for Cindy that it's an easy day for her. The verse we're concentrating on today is John 1, 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you've got your Bible, open it up. It talks about the Word becoming flesh. You know, there's not much more love than that, is there? Jesus was sent by the Father. The one begotten Son was sent for us. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. 
and the glory as of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Some of us forget that. And the scriptures we're working through are John 1, 1 through to 14. It's the eternal word. I know it's 14 scriptures, but bear with me. It's worth it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in the light, sorry, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The world does not understand you. Don't expect them to. They don't know God. They don't like the light. They love the darkness. I've been there. I loved the darkness at one stage in my life. But now I love the light so much more. We walk in here of a morning. This room is pitch black. You can't see to the other side. We flick the light on. There's the light. It's that easy. The darkness flees straight away. Then from verse 6 on, it talks about John's witness, the true light. We're talking about John the Baptist here. You know, the dude that used to wear smelly goat skins and stuff and eat locusts, steal honey from bees. Would we actually let him in our churches these days? Many wouldn't. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. You know some scriptures are almost like tongue twisters? He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. We're talking about Jesus now. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. A prophet is not welcome in their own city. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah for that. To those who believe in his name, you have become children of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor by the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's why we're born again. Next weekend, we're doing baptisms. So if you want to be baptized or you know someone that does, let us know. So far, we've got Louise getting baptized. Praise God for that. What an exciting time. A couple of weeks ago, we baptized Emma's little boy and Simon. We are a church that should be baptizing people. And then verse 14, the word becomes flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me encourage you, if you're not baptized, next week's a good week. Go forth. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the Great Commission? Not go to Cavill Avenue and preach that everyone's going to hell. 
that really doesn't work. Not build the biggest church you can, not get big screens, not wear skinny jeans, not have a smoke machine. Cancel the smoke machine, Daniel, can you? Um, that's, that's not what the Great Commission is. Go forth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Really simple if we just did that. We just did that. Now, I read a story through the week of a little boy. This little dude was really excited. His parents had carefully told him how God was sending him a little sister for them to love and to care for. And when the day arrived and the little baby had been put in a crib, the brother stood close by and he whispered to her, Quick, little sister, tell me before you forget, what does God look like? Who can answer that question? What God looks like. John's gospel is an attempt to put into words what God is like. But its success is showing God to us, not in the words of the book, but in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now some people worship a different Jesus. We need to understand that that it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we worship in this church, the one true God. Jesus said in John 14, 9, Have I not been with you so long? Sorry, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You know, there's Christians that are sitting in churches not this one, of course, that might have been there for 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years perhaps, that don't know God. That's a bit scary. It's a little bit scary. So let us see if we can really be put in touch with God through Jesus Christ. I can tell you as a minister who preaches at least three times a week that the five most important words in the Bible are these. And the word became flesh. The five most important words in the Bible, and the word became flesh. Without that happening, there would be no life of Jesus, no sermon on the mount, no atoning death, and no victory in resurrection. And I would be wasting my time here, and so would the rest of you. And the word become flesh the five most important words in the Bible. That is love right there. Imagine Jesus up there in heaven with God. God says, it's your time now. Gets born as a baby into our filth. Has to live in our filth, sinless. Man, we can't even do it as believers most of the time, can we? Yet he had to do it. Without the incarnation, we would have no way to know God as he wishes to be known. Without Jesus coming to earth, we would not know God as he wants us to know him. So what's the meaning of incarnation? You know, some of our new age friends have sort of stolen it, haven't they? Reincarnation and all that rubbish. Notice all, all that sort of stuff? Even now, you know, the rainbow flags? 
They're all just stolen from Christianity. Incarnation is the word used to communicate the truth that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Carnal is an English word for flesh, as in carnal desires, which we've all had. We've all still got this fleshy covering on us. Carnivorous means flesh-eating animal. And incarnation means enfleshment. I don't normally go into what the words actually mean too much, but this week I really felt, what is love? What, what is incarnation? It's enfleshment. God took on human flesh and revealed himself to us. He was incarnate among us. And this truth points to the greatest mystery of the Christian faith. Jesus. If you read your Bible enough, you'll find in there it talks about the mysteries of Christ. We're not meant to know everything, but the mysteries will be revealed to us. Jesus is fully human and fully divine, held up for us to see, to attempt to comprehend and finally to bow a knee before him in worship. You won't see me bowing a knee for anyone except for Jesus. I believe every sportsman that bows to Black Lives Matter or any of that rubbish should be sacked on the spot, especially if they call themselves Christian. They should be down on their knees repenting for what they're doing. We only bow to Jesus. We know that if Jesus is not God, he couldn't have saved us. And if he's not man... He couldn't have reached us, could he? He had to come to earth. The incarnate God has come to us in the flesh, not simply in spirit, which we couldn't see him or touch him, but in a body of flesh just like ours. And I don't believe he's like the pictures we see where he's white and he's ripped. He was a carpenter in the Middle East. He would have been pretty rough looking. Again, I say, would we actually let him in the church? We might, or we probably wouldn't let John the Baptist because he'd be calling everyone a brood of vipers. But would we actually let Jesus in? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, be gone with you. (laughs) Matthew and Luke wrote that God become flesh through the willing obedience of the Virgin Mary. Could you imagine being Mary, ladies? Could you imagine the shock when the angel turned up? They told of Mary's faith. Joseph's tears. Imagine what Joseph thought. They told of the angel's songs and the shepherd's worship. Through the Christian story, or the Christmas story, sorry, the great and powerful truth rings out. John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1.14 it says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father. That right there is the gospel. Those two verses is almost enough, isn't it? The truth is this. It's not simply the Christmas story, the Christian story, is not simply a little boy innocently snuggling into his mother's breast. It's the Lord God incarnate who calls us to believe and follow and who warns us of the consequences of unbelief. He warns us of the consequences. 
You know, as an apostolic and prophetic church, we are called to bring correction to the body of Christ. Now, that upsets some people. That spits some people right out the door really quickly. If you're offended by the word of God, I'm actually, I am sorry. But that's your offense. You, you do something with it. You choose what you do with it. God loves you. Therefore, he will correct you if you're on the wrong path. John 3.18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned. I like that bit. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I think it's much better to just believe and trust and follow what he says. So what's the purpose of incarnation? Why did Jesus decide he should come down? The reason for the incarnation was to bring life to everyone, to everything. Yeah, where it says, yeah, preach to all things, let me tell you, our little dog, she gets to hear the word more than most people. We preach to that thing all the time. If we have worship on, if a man is there playing the keys or or Daniel and Adina have come up and we're playing the keys and we've got the guitars out. Let me assure you, Lola is at their feet. Our dog can worship. Our dog wants to hear the word of God. It's the weirdest thing ever. Otherwise, she really doesn't want much to do with you. Does she? If there's worship on, she's there. That's what we need to be like, like a little child. John set forth the truth in John 1.4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Let me tell you, all those years before I finally gave God a commitment and accepted Jesus, I was dead. I was dead. I was, I was not even the dry bones. I was so dead. And notice in John 10.10 10, that Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. Not just life, more abundantly. The thief came yesterday to try and take Glorine out because she has made a stand for Christ. She's made declarations that, Lord, this is what we're doing. We believe. And with that comes life more abundantly. With that comes life more abundantly. Let me tell you, if the devil's not challenging you, maybe you need to get a little bit closer to God and see what happens. Because the closer you get, sometimes the harder it gets for a season. Or several seasons, depending on how close you're getting. God, I'm sorry, John gave his purpose for writing the book and pointed directly to the reason for the incarnation when he said he had written these things. But these things are written to you. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's John 20, 31. You may have life in his name. That's why John wrote the Gospel of John. That right there is love. God's purpose was to bring eternal life to us through the life of his Son, who is the light of the world. Through him, the light shines into every dark nook 
and cranny of our loneliness and our brokenness and our emptiness. You ever notice when when you start preaching the word or you mention God to some people, they, they arc up, they fire up, they want to fight. Or sometimes they just run away. It's because God's poking into their darkness. He's using you as the instrument to do it. Don't be upset when someone abuses you for the sake of the gospel. The word says we should take joy in that. Let me tell you, it's not nice. We copped a nice serve a couple of weeks ago. It's not nice. But now we take joy in it. Don't we? We sit back and go, thank you, Lord. We were persecuted for you. I mean, we didn't get whipped. Didn't get our beard pulled out. Not wearing a crown of thorns. We certainly weren't crucified. It's a good day. Eternal life has two dimensions. Length and depth. Eternal life with God is forever. That's the length of it. Eternal life with God is forever. I think that deserves an hallelujah or an amen, don't you? Eternal life with God is, is in the present moment. It's right now. Don't wait until you die. You can have it now. So many people are, when I go to heaven, well, unless that's today... Yeah, you're missing out. You can have it now. It's in the present moment. It's abundant. That's why we can say this church will have all its needs supplied. This church will build schools in other countries. This church will plant churches, as we have four in Kenya in the last year or 18 months, however long it is. Four churches in Kenya. Praise God. We started with myself and Amanda. Praise God. Eternal life with God is meaningful. It's actually meaningful. Doing something for good. Doing something for God. And it's filled with courage and joy. Don't be wimpy Christians. Don't be scared of everything. Eternal life with God is filled with courage and joy. We should be happy Christians. Not walk in here on a Sunday. Been a tough week. Walk in with joy. That is the depth of it. That is the depth of it. Jesus, the incarnate God, has come with the purpose of delivering you from the darkness, the darkness of death, into the light of life. Now, I know we have some hard times. I know there's some times when I just want to go up into our little cave, our our little two-bedroom apartment and just hide away from the world. And from you people sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I just want to, oh, the phone keeps ringing. Just, ugh, just want to hide. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be the light. Now, it was said to us yesterday, and I know it's true, but it's so sad at the same time that people feel they can't ring their pastor. Not, not here, but other churches can't ring their pastor. They can't ring them for prayer. They can't talk to them. It's like, that's not what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to be praying for people. I spent probably four hours, four and a half hours yesterday on the phone talking to people, praying for people. That's what we're called to do. If you're not willing to do that, seek God. Maybe repent a little bit because that's what we're supposed to do.
We're supposed to care for each other. Let me encourage you. This week, catch up with someone for coffee. Invite someone over for dinner. It's not for us to organise it all the time. You guys can do it. That's fellowship. That's the church. Get together. I know it's hard sometimes. I know we're all busy. But let me tell you, dinner the other night with, with Paul and Glorine, I mean, the food was awesome, let me tell you, but the, the worship and the talk about God. and Yeah, I'm normally in bed by 9.30. I get home at like almost 11, buzzing, and couldn't sleep because God's doing stuff. We're catching up with people. Let me encourage you to do it. That's what Jesus would have done. That's when it says they met from house to house. It wasn't a house church. They went to the temple, but each night they met from house to house. They broke bread together. That's what the Bible's telling us. Let me encourage you to do it. There's so much more in this walk with Christ than just turning up here on a Sunday morning. I'm not saying don't come. I'm certainly not saying don't come on Sunday. In fact, start bringing some people. Invite someone. If you can't invite someone to come to church, when you see our messages on Facebook or YouTube, share them. At least get the word out there that the word of God's being preached because there's people that are hungry. There's people that are hungry. He wants to deliver you from the darkness of death into the light of life. And it's not just existence. It's not just simply breathing. But we should wake up of a morning and go, thank you, Lord, for another day. Because that can be gone just like that. Yeah, we, we saw a, a friend of ours, a Nigerian pastor, only a young guy. His birthday yesterday, 27 years old, lives here on the Gold Coast. We saw him preach a word last week. And he said, you know, every morning and every night, I, I say to the Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. Let me tell you, you start declaring that over your life when you wake up of a morning, the first thing you say, life's going to be different. That day's going to be different. I will rejoice and be glad in it, no matter what comes at me. We've been doing it this week. We've stepped into the flow. We're drifting along in the current. It's been pretty good. We can see some rapids coming, but, you know, that's Okay. We'll just hang on a little bit tighter. This existence is just not existence. It's just not simply breathing. It's not merely just getting by. Who likes just getting by? Who likes just having enough money to pay their bills? Who likes just scraping through life? No one. Awesome. Because that is not the way we're supposed to live as Christians. It is life that is full and it's now and it's in the world. The world should be looking at us as believers in Christ and saying, I want what they've got. Not the other way around. We shouldn't be looking like them. We shouldn't be walking into churches that look like nightclubs. Now you pay your tithe, that's like your entry at the door. You go to the bar, you order your coffee. That's not what it's supposed to be. I'm not bagging any churches, I'm just bagging a business model. Right? Every church has its place. Some are preschools, some are kindergartens, some are primary schools, 
Some are really just daycares. We need to move beyond that salvation experience. If you just go to church because you like the worship, I'll pray for you. But you need to get off that salvation experience. We should all be able to live in the joy of all that heaven promises to be. We can have that now. I'm not waiting till I die to see heaven move on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You get to make that choice whether you do it or not. While we're talking about worship, I've got to say, Daniel, congratulations. Daniel finished his album through the week that he's been writing and he submitted it for publication. Praise God, by the end, I'm believing by the end of this week, you'll be able to put Daniel Bergen into iTunes or any of those, and there he is. Praise God. That's a good thing. And I believe he's actually going to give some albums away for free when he, when he burns them. But wouldn't it also be awesome to jump on and buy one? Because, I mean, Daniel is like us. He doesn't charge for ministry. But if you want to bless him by paying for one, amen. Amen. I know the hours he's put into it. It's not just like he sat down on Monday and by Thursday it was done. (laughs) Third point today is the church and incarnation. How does it work? The task of the church is previewed in the incarnation. Since God sent the Son into the world to minister to us, sent the Son into the world to minister to us and redeem us, praise God, then is that not our best clue as to what the church should be doing? If we are meant to be like Jesus, he was sent into the world to save us, to redeem us, to minister to us. Is that not what the church should be doing? Jesus said to himself in John 20, 21, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It's really a commandment, isn't it? The Father sent me, so I'm sending you. He's not saying, sit on a church pew for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. He's saying, I send you. He's saying, do something with what I've given you. This gift that we've got of salvation is too valuable not to actually share. Why do we hold it and try and keep it to ourselves like it's a big secret? Jesus did not remain distant to our needs. He entered into the desperate situation of our community and of our lives. Just think, this is God. Stepped down into our lives, into our community, lived in our filth, and still remained sinless. It's almost unfathomable how that could be done. Especially with everyone wanting to persecute you and whip you and all that sort of stuff. Whenever missionaries go on behalf of a church to preach the gospel and to minister to human and spiritual needs, they are following in the tracks of our Lord Jesus who came on a mission to redeem our world. He came on a mission to redeem the world. Every time a church goes out to care for men and women, 
Yeah, Simon's out there almost every day feeding people on the street. Every time the church goes out to care for boys and girls who are sick and hungry, it's exactly what Pastor Francis is doing in Kenya. Almost 200 kids in three orphanages. You know, a couple of weeks ago, someone broke into their, their storeroom and stole all their food. Yeah, 50 kilo bags of sugar, maize. and This is the stuff we're dealing with as a church. So sometimes when you ring, if I don't answer the phone straight away, I'm probably dealing with that sort of stuff. We've got 200 odd kids, nearly 200 kids to feed each week. And praise God, we're meeting those needs. But then the devil steps in, doesn't he? He goes, oh, we'll just take all that food. Every time a church goes out to look after the lonely or the frightened, the ones that are left out or ignored, who's been left out and ignored before? I know I have. It's horrible, isn't it? Every time the church goes out to look after the lost, the ones that are without Christ, we go as a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. You know, I wrote down for, for Pastor Chris in Western Australia, I wrote down a list of things for him the other day that we do as a church. And after it, I looked at him and went, whoa, in two and a half years, look what we're actually doing as a little tiny church in the nations, not just on the Gold Coast, in the nations. Praise God that he's using us. And all it takes is to be obedient and say yes. It's good for us to look back sometimes and go, Lord, that is what we're doing. Because two years ago, two and a half years ago, it was like, we're just going to plant a church because God said. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know what we're going to do. But God steps in and does it. And then you look back and go, whoa, Lord, you are good. He is the God who traveled from the security of heaven's glory to the risk and threat of human existence to touch us at our hurting places. Can you imagine it? There's countries that we won't travel to as believers because we're scared of being locked up or persecuted or injured. Yet Jesus come from heaven down into all that, knowing, knowing that at 33 years old he would be crucified. When the church shares the good news that people do not have to die, but they can live, the message comes straight from the open tomb where the incarnate God left death defeated and the grave closed behind him. He didn't even take the grave clothes with him. He just folded them up nicely and left them there. Don't need these anymore. I'm out. That's what we're doing when we share the good news of Christ with people. That is love. If you don't want your neighbours to go to hell and it's a real place, talk about God to them. Preach the word to them. You know, if they tell you, well, I don't believe in hell or I don't believe in God, mostly they'll say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, they can't be offended by hell if they don't believe in God, can they? So preach the word to them anyway. Don't get an argument with them. But if you love people, introduce them to the Christ. Introduce them to Jesus of Nazareth. 
Because if you love them, that's what you should be doing. Every time the church bows in worship, it knows that the transcendent God has come to earth, refusing to remain distant so he might, by his presence, bring us a sense of intimacy with him. I don't know whether you felt it during the worship this morning. Normally during the worship, I'm quite busy running around, doing stuff, closing the gate. But you know what? I I had to stop this morning. There was just that sense of intimacy there. You know when Amanda's on her knees in worship, God's doing something. There was something, there was a a heaviness, but it wasn't a bad heaviness this morning. It was just that, like the cloud had come down. The cloud had descended upon us. It is Jesus who taught us to call God Father and know his love for us as children. Some of us have had bad relationships with our Father and that might affect our relationship with God as the Father, but let me tell you, he is a loving Father. No matter what your relationship with your earthly father was like, he's not like that. Even if you had a fantastic relationship with your earthly father, he is so much more. He is so much more than that. Our redemption is no longer a question of pursuit. It's not about work. It's not about work. You know, I was raised Church of England. I know there's people with a Catholic background here. It's not about work. A lot of our Jewish friends... They're still in the Torah, but it's not about work. I live in grace. Jesus died for my sins. We are in grace. Not a question of pursuit, but it's a question of surrender to him who is always and everywhere present. He is omnipresent. He's always with us. So we can pray that following him we can depart from the anxiety that we all suffer from at times into his peace. I'm going to finish up here and then we'll have some communion. God has come to us in Jesus. God has come to us in Jesus. We can never be the same again. If you've had a true experience with Christ, you will never be the same again. You know, we hear excuses about why people don't go to church sometimes. And the simple answer is you do not know Christ if you don't go to church. If you've got an excuse why you can't go, if you haven't been to church for a year or two years or three years, at some stage you walked away from him. You probably didn't know him as you should, but he wants to get to know you better. He invites you to believe and to move from the darkness into the light. You have to make the choice. He can't do it for you. He's there. I used the example last week. You can be running away from Jesus and the Holy Spirit as much as you want, but as soon as you stop and look back, he's right behind you. He's waiting for you. You can move from from dying to life, from aimless wandering to meaning and purpose. Let me tell you, too many Christians are actually wanderers They're not willing to put down roots anywhere. They're not willing to serve God in one place. They want to go to three, four, five, ten different churches every week. That's not what he's looking for. He wants you to be planted within a community. 
You can move from the aimless wandering into meaning and purpose. And the journey may be long, but it begins with one decision and one step. I remember when I got saved in that gutter. <laughs> I thought life was going to be pretty good after that. I thought it was going to be easy. It doesn't work like that. We can make the, the choice, but then we actually have to commit and be obedient. Let me challenge you. I want you to believe and to live. That's what he's asking us to do, to believe in him and live. And I'm going to finish there. I'm going to pray. And then...